This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. This is the true story of a New York City boy with big town hopes and small neighborhood dreams of becoming BFFs with the Real Housewives and other Bravo celebrities. Then, one day, that dream actually came true. Let me take you behind the velvet rope. Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back behind the velvet robe. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Miss Rachel Yucatel. What's going I on? Love that, I love that you got my last name pronounced correctly. Why do people say Yucatel? Yeah, Yucatel, Ucatel, whatever. But I love that you got it right. Yucatel. I mean, listen, we've all heard it once or twice. So, I mean, <laughs> Well, okay, fine. Am I starting out on just like a shady ass note? Where are you in the world? You're in New York, right? Uh, I am in New York, yes. I'm on the Upper East Side. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you were back because like I knew you were in Miami and then like, weren't you just in Vegas for a minute? I was in Vegas for a minute. Yes, I was traveling all over in the last week. I was in Vegas and I was in Aspen, actually. Yeah, it was very nice, but, um, you know, all of a sudden you can sort of travel a little bit easier and it's been kind of crazy because for a while there, it was like traveling privately, even though you were traveling, you know, in the regular airports, but because it was so easy to travel, um, it seemed to be, you know, a much different atmosphere, but now traveling is, is gone back to being a huge pain in the ass, but, um, I agree. I was speechless at how, because I was doing some traveling too. And I was like, the airports are amazing. There's three people in here. It's totally safe. Yeah, it's packed now. Yeah, it's packed. And the only airline to fly right now is Delta because they don't, um, they don't book the middle seat, which is great. Um, And so you can still sit coach and you can still, you know, have the whole row basically to yourself. And I fly with my daughter and my dog and, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, flying to California is great. And you don't have to feel like you have to book first class because you can be, you know, in the back and like totally lay out in the back and feel fine. So I said the same thing. Yeah. Uh, But now it's like every other airline, you're packed in there and, you know, nobody's six feet apart and um, it's a huge pain in the ass and everything is delayed. And so who wants to fly anymore? Are you happy to be back in New York for the moment? I'm so happy to be in New York. I um, just moved into a beautiful new apartment on the Upper East Side, and I'm loving it. And I spent the winter in Palm Beach and, um, you know, got to miss the cold weather for the most part. And so I'm, I'm very happy. And I love, I, we were just saying my apartment's all gray and your apartment's all gray too, or at least the room you're sitting in now. Yes, yes. It's uh, nice shades of, shades of gray. Gray is the best color. <laughs> 
Well, thank you for fitting us into your busy interview schedule. I know that, you know, recently you were on Wendy. I saw the interview, your chat with Miss Wendy Williams. Is it yeah. just me or did, was Wendy like coming for you? I feel like she was coming for you in the beginning. <clears throat> so, yeah, that was a little bit of a rough interview. So, so she had done hot topics and spent like four minutes <clears throat> with me the week before on and then her her um staff called and asked me to be on and she was really nice about me the week before and then she her staff was really nice about asking me to be on and said that she was going to be nice right and um had said all nice things to me i i honestly think that when she got on the show she didn't really know how to interview me, quite frankly. And I think she uh, was confused as to how to interview me because I felt like that first five minutes or so was very uh, almost like she felt pressured into asking me these questions that she thought she needed to ask for some reason because I, I felt like it was almost awkward in the way that these were questions that were so inappropriate almost to a level that didn't make sense. Um, and her staff ended up calling me after the fact and said, we're so sorry because we didn't know she was going to continue on that level of questioning. And that's actually not even why they booked me. They booked me because she was so interested in Seeking.com and me being the spokesman for Seeking.com. And they said she was going to ask like one or two questions at the top of the interview about me being on the HBO doc. But that was it. So I think that she... I don't really know what happened there. And it got very uncomfortable um, because it was sort of like she kept harping on something and didn't want to let go of it. And, you know, after 10 years um, of, of living with a uh, stigma attached to you um, and like everyone's sort of, you know, needing to like introduce you as that, like it's really enough already. And then also, you know, after the whole hashtag me too movement and after, you know, um, people, really sort of not giving up on the stigma of that you, you really don't interview someone and then go after them like that and then continue to do that I thought that was really a place of like okay now we're getting inappropriate inappropriate here um because you can't go after the woman and continually go after the woman like that in an interview I mean I can't tell you probably a hundred percent of the emails messages uh feedback I got after that interview um, from all sorts of people, men, women, uh, black, white, uh, everything was that interview was really uncomfortable to watch because of how far she went, how harshly she went after you and, uh, and, and you really handled yourself so well. And then the second half of the interview was, I mean, I don't know your opinion, you can tell me, but then she was like, kind of, you know, giving me compliments about how I turned around my life and now I'm working for seeking.com. So it was sort of, you know, very, uh, an odd interview, right? Yeah. I mean, I thought you handled yourself well. Like I was like, I mean, not that I doubted your ability to handle these situations, but I thought yeah. you handled yourself well. I mean, so is that, so here's my question. Like, is <coughs> that what it is? So yes, like, Look, everyone in the world knows you because of Tiger Woods. Let's just put it out there. It is what it mm -hmm. is. So is it like, did you feel like, oh God, why are you asking for little details that, I mean, you can go Google this, or was it like you actually felt attacked, like that she was kind of judging you still? Well, it, correct. I mean, that wasn't what I was going through my head. Like you could Google this, but I was sort of like, 
all right, you can get in one or two questions here. But like, when she kept going on and on, I was sort of like, all right. I, I mean, I was going to be respectful because I was on her show, right? But at the same time, I was, it started to creep in, you know, like I, I sort of wanted to say, wait a minute, what about when as a society are we going to be like, when have we had enough of really marking these women as homewreckers and whores and mistresses when uh, the men get to walk away scot-free and get to be heroes and have a comeback story and the women have to walk around for 10 fucking years. Sorry, can I curse on your show? You can, I have a horrible mouth. I even got a DM the other day from an older woman who told me that um, she loves my show, but she can't do it anymore because I have such a bad mouth. So go ahead. Oh. Sorry. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, I'm not changing the way I speak. I mean, I can't at this point in my life. Go on. Yeah. So, but like, you know, it's not like I, I was in a non-consensual relationship. I was in a consensual relationship. Every relationship I've been in is a consensual long-term relationship. I don't have one night stands. I don't have sh short-term relationships. Um, and I'm sick and tired of having to live, you know, this wasn't a 15 minute of fame thing. And by the way, I wasn't in a relationship for fame, you know? So um, yes, I was, uh, I became known for something, which by the way, was not my choice either. So um, this is 10 years now, you know? And for 10 years, I've had to be shamed for something and um, it's enough already. And someone else was given the chance to make amends, give a big speech, have a big, you know, have their ups and downs and a big comeback and to shame someone the way that people have shamed me for 10 years and to have my voice shackled for 10 years. I didn't talk about it for 10 years. And then for people to still have this anger towards me, like number one, like they know me because they don't, but people have spoken about me for 10 years. Like they know me. Right. And then like I've personally hurt them. Like I cheated on them with their own husband or you know, I've done something to them. They don't know me. I can tell you the people that I know, and it's maybe 50 people that I have in my life. And I've come across a lot of people because I used to run nightclubs. And trust me, a lot of people came through my door. So a lot of people will say, oh, I know Rachel, you can tell. They don't know me. They don't know anything about me. Um, but yes, I've come across a lot of people in my life. Uh, you know, it's, it's offensive and it's hurtful. And the mental toll that that takes on a person. And I can tell you the mental toll that took on the first three months, 10 years ago, much less for 10 years, what that does, the crippling effects that have, that has on someone is horrific. So it's been a really long 10 years. And so I finally decided to speak on the HBO documentary. I didn't give anybody details. You know, I just came out, I said, yeah, so here is a little bit of what happened. Yes, I was involved with this person. Here's a, you know, a little bit of some stuff to give you some context. But beyond that, I'm not telling you the details of what happened between us. So that's that. Now you can leave me alone. I understand that that opens up, uh, you know, a lot of uh, opportunity for people to judge you, for negativity, for people to, to, um, put you on the chopping block again. But the way people then just wanted to come back at me with, she's a, a prostitute, a homewrecker, a whore, 
that sort of didn't make sense to me either because I'm like, wait a minute, how does that make you a prostitute, a whore? And uh, those things sort of didn't make sense to me again. But, you know, people are going to do what they're going to do and they're going to say what they're going to say. Anyway, so the point is, is I wanted to move into the second act of my life, which is what I've chosen to do by getting, you know, getting a new job so I can hopefully be Rachel, you, you could tell, comma, something new. We're going to talk all about your new job because I got lots of questions and a lot to say about that. Well, just to your point, did you, were you pressured like by the producers of, I mean, is that really why you spoke on the documentary? Just like, I've been quiet for 10 years and you're all going to make up a story anyway about me. So you might as well hear it from my voice. Is that really the motivation? No, I was not pressured at all. The, there, the documentary was based on a, on a best-selling book. And in the first chapter of that book, they uh, had written about me and written a story about me. And they did not use me as their source. And I don't know who the source was. They had contacted me for months before the book came out. And nobody knows this actually, but when the book finally came out, I read the chapter and I was surprised that they got every detail right. And so I knew that they had spoken to a source that was uh, intimately involved with um, the parties uh, in the room yeah, who were not me. And so I contacted the author and I said, I wanted to know who the source was and he wouldn't tell me. And so I haven't been able to talk to anybody about it. So I started to talk to him about it. And he finally told me that he had a, um, a deal with, HBO and they were making a, a documentary and he asked me to, if I wanted to speak to them and I said no. And then over the course of months, um, I finally said yes, but I was not paid for um, speaking to them. It, it truly was about me knowing that they were going to tell the story anyways. And I, I felt honestly from inside of me that they were going to tell the story anyway. The story was already out in the book. I just wanted to tell it from my words at that point. It was literally about me just needing to voice it from me. Well, that must have felt like, did that feel like closure? I mean, it must have. Or did that feel like this opened all sorts of old wounds? Um, both. It felt like closure to be able to like speak it. <laughs> you know, like, because for so long, I wasn't able to just speak it. And I just... I just wanted to to say it because you know when you're when you're shackled for that long and in the absence of of truth people just make up whatever they want to make up and I think so many people wanted to hear it from my mouth that it was jaw dropping for people to hear you know and right. still it and it still is I mean so many people write me after they see it and they're like I just wanted to hear it from you you know. Um, so I, I'm happy that I did it. I don't care if it offends people or if people write all these things because they've written them to me for 10 years. I don't care what people say. It's my truth, right? It's my story. Um, I don't care about people's opinions because I've learned to not care over the last 10 years. My story is my story. You were technically, I mean, not technically, you were trolled before we knew what this word was. Like we have social media now, but like, 
you were, that was your life, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've been, um, I've definitely been trolled before. Yes, exactly. Before stro- social media. Um, and listen, I was in the media before all of this. I used to work at Bloomberg news and I was very aware of media and what media could do. And, um, I'm highly aware of something that is news and something that is entertainment, right? And then I'm highly aware that the media, uh, the entertainment media is fed by the appetite of the public, right? So that is what upset me so much about what happened in this situation because I was trained as sort of as a journalist and I love the news. I'm obsessed with the news. I watch the news every day in my apartment. Um, and I love journalism, but entertainment journalism is something totally different. And it's fed on, um, opinion and, um, what, um, what people have the appetite for. And that is not based on reality. It's based on perception and what people are, are, um, eager to talk about, um, in the comfort of their own home. And they like to see other people's lives fall apart because they don't want to see their own life fall apart. And that was uh, a huge part of the Tiger documentary, docuseries that I hope people didn't miss that um, somebody was driving towards a cliff already before his accident, right? I mean, he was really driving towards a cliff. And when he went off the cliff, I just happened to be in the passenger seat with him and I got famous. And since then, he's been able to, you know, have this uh, comeback, um, not only through his amazing talent, which he obviously has, uh, which can't be denied, uh, undeniable brilliance and talent, um, but also through his hard work of, of building himself up again, but also through the public's uh, making him into a superhero, but not without the fact that they also brought him, they built him up and they brought him all the way down and then they built him up again, right? It's this push and pull. And interestingly enough for me, they needed to create a monster because they made him into such a superhero. So it's the media that has really created me into this monster. And that's a very weird place for me to be because I'm not a villain and I'm not a superhero. I'm just a regular person. And by the way, so is he, (laughs) he just happens to have a super talent, but he's a, he's a human. Um, and people fail to recognize that. Um, and so you know, it's a, it's an odd place to be for me because I don't get this huge comeback. And I'd like a come, you know, everyone like a comeback story, right? Everyone wants that stand up and cheer moment in their lives. Everyone's looking for that. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's a very hard way to live uh, without being given that, uh, that ch- chance in the media to have this, this rise. Right. And the media casts aside once they're a victim, the person that's not the famous one with the town, you know, it, this made you famous, but you know what I'm saying? Like, obviously the media will always choose the side more or less, I would assume of the more famous person to make the comeback. Right. And 
listen, the media has definitely made me famous, but they've made me famous and cast a role for me that is um, the villain. Uh, and they will continually cast that role for whatever reason. I mean, I've seen it in the press throughout. There's always this villainizing role for me. Um, and I guess that's always the role I will be because he will always be the hero, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure why uh, that's, that's the role that I will be, but that seems to be the role. And it's hard to, to get out of that. And I'm, I, I feel like I've had to claw my way uh, out of that for, um, for years. And so like, what was that like in the sense of, you know, like now people read three comments about themselves and they're in bed. Like, I, I mean, I'm not knocking that because social media has gotten like, how did you do it really? I mean, like, how did it go from like the height of it to like what you just would <laughs> say to yourself in the mirror? Like, you know, you're a strong woman, Rachel, just, I mean, that's funny. Is that true that people read three comments and they're in bed? Because I would have killed myself by now. Um, I, I, I know people, yeah, that like just every comment bothers them. And I mean, you know, I think eventually you learn something, but I know people that are going through it and you're like, this isn't even that bad. Like, I mean, what has been- I remember the first time I was ever in a tabloid was way back before any of this happened. Well, the first time I was in a tabloid was during September 11th, back in, uh, you know, um, and I, right. I lost my fiance and I was on the cover of every single newspaper in the world. That was really the first time that I would found myself in the press. Right. So, um, that was how I, I, uh, learned to be in the press and see what that was like. And I was cast as, as a victim. So I got to see what that was like and have, um, the world really, put their arms around me and that was very interesting and um I really needed that at the moment and everyone was so kind to me and losing somebody in that way um it it was almost easier than losing a single person by yourself because I wasn't suffering on my own um I felt as if the whole world was mourning Andy with me and that was almost easier to go through with everyone because so many people were writing me and calling me and saying, did they find him? What do you know? Um, tell me. And I, I just remember I, I couldn't find a moment to be by myself because the phone kept ringing. I kept getting emails. I kept getting letters um, from people looking for Andy as much as I was looking for Andy. So I didn't have a moment to myself because right. the whole world was looking for Andy. So that was a great way that the, that the media helped me, right? Years later, the second time I was in the press is I was, there was a picture of me with Ryan Seacrest in St. Bart's. And um, people were like, who is this girl with Ryan Seacrest? And this was years later. And I remember, um, you know, it wasn't about me. It was about him, but they were like, oh, Ryan Seacrest is seen with some girl or whatever. And I remember him giving me a piece of advice and saying, as long as you're in the press, um, that's good. And if they stop talking about you, that's bad. And of course, you know, he was talking about him, not me, because I wasn't famous at the time. And um, so he was just commenting that, you know, all press is good press, even if it's negative. And 
you know, to, to not be upset. And I was upset because I felt like it was like not a cute photo of me or whatever. Um, I don't know. But um, uh, I remember thinking, oh, you know, this is embarrassing. I don't like to be in the press scene with somebody that I'm not dating. And I, w I wasn't dating him. I was just in the picture with him. And, um, and I saw how much attention that one photo got. And I really didn't like it. I didn't like how the narrative could be so nasty and people could really jump on you. And all the comments were so trollish, like, oh, who is this girl? She, you know, is she dating you? She's not good enough for you. Like, and my face wasn't even in it. Like people didn't even know who I was. And the comments were just like, she thinks she owns you. And she's like, you know, all these nasty things. And they didn't even know my name. So I remember it really hurt me. And I was like, oh, I'm not cut out for him. I'm not good enough for him. Like, and it, I, it really, I remember like crying to my friends, like how embarrassing it was to be part of that world. And I, I'm not good enough for that world. And um, it really affected me. So uh, I haven't thought about that since you just, uh, you know, for a long time. And then the next time I was in um, the press was I was, uh, I dated, like Stephen Dorff for like a hot second. And I was in the paper with him and same thing, although that was a very good photo. And I remember, but same kind of thing, like pictures and people, you know, just all these trolls on TMZ or whatever it was being like, you know, talking about my body and if I was good enough or pretty enough. And, you know, it's all very superficial comments. Mm -hmm. And those are the worst. Cause it's like, if, too old, too ugly, too not good enough, and comparing you to Pamela Anderson, I think that was the one he had dated before me or whatever. And immediately you go into not good enough, right? And then you just like want to get in bed and like get plastic surgery or whatever it is, right? Um, so those are the most hurtful when you're coming from a place of being insecure. Um, those, those, are really hurtful. But when, you know, when people comment about such ridiculous things and you're more in a secure place, like when people write all these things about me now, like, oh, she's such a, you know, all these stupid words, homewrecker. And, you know, they, they say these really hurtful things 10, 10 years later. I am so much more secure knowing these people don't know me. These people just say these things that are so dumb. And I, I really am more secure in myself that like I have a, a very small world of people that are really important to me. And I know that uh, those people that have access to me and the people that know me um, know how funny I am, know how smart I am, know how, what a good mom I am. Um, and they, uh, and you know, they know how important their time is with me. So these morons that say such dumb things are so irrelevant. Um, because the people that do get to spend time with me, like, love who I am. So I don't give a shit about the people that say these dumb comments. Because if they were around me, they would be like, I fucking love Rachel. She's so much fucking fun. And so I don't, like, these other people can fucking suck it. Like, what do I care, you know? I need to talk to you guys about Apostrophe. It's a prescription skincare company for people that are ready to take their acne 
seriously. Now, here's the thing you guys know, prescription acne treatment really works, but it's hard to get. You have to take time off work, go see a doctor, sit in line at the pharmacy and wait for your medications. Not anymore. Apostrophe makes it easy to see a board-certified dermatologist online. You get treated immediately and your medications are delivered to your home. All you have to do is fill out their online questionnaire about your skin concerns and medical history. Then you snap a few selfies, how fun is that, and your dermatologist will get back to you with a customized treatment plan tailored just for you. It treats acne, but Apostrophe does a lot more than just that. They also can help you with your other skincare goals, like reducing redness, wrinkles, and even dark spots. I filled out the survey. Of course, my I was concerned with wrinkles, so that's why I went on. Filled out the survey. Literally, somebody got in touch with me so quickly. The medicine arrived right to my front door. I've already started using it. It's just as simple as that, and you don't even have to leave your home. Listen, you get $15 off your first visit with a board-certified dermatologist at apostrophe.com slash velvet. So go to apostrophe.com slash velvet and use the code velvet. This code is only available to all of you who are listening to this podcast. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash velvet and click begin visit. Then use the code velvet at sign up and you get $15 off your dermatology visit. That's apostrophe.com slash velvet. Use the code velvet to get your dermatology visit for $15 off. It really is so easy. I'm so glad I found apostrophe. It's for acne, it's for wrinkles, it's for dark spots, really any of your skincare goals. That's apostrophe.com slash velvet. Use the code velvet at checkout and you get $15 off. I'll admit it, as important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. When you... If this, when you get time from this seeking arrangement business, I think you should on the side for your next career, after you reinvent yourself again, I think you could be like, do something with social media, bullying and like teach a course or do like workshops. Cause it's hard to go. I mean, like when the whole world is saying things about you on a mass scale, like that's what we're dealing with on social media. Like I, I'm just giving you another side career. If this whole seeking thing. A great idea. Yeah. Cause the bullying, it's horrible. And, but I, I, you know, and my daughter's eight and she sees it on like Roblox or whatever that game is that she plays. Like these people will write her. And I'm like, Wyatt, that's like some 30 year old 
guy in Korea that's pretending to be some eight-year-old little girl who's writing you something so nasty. Like the one thing I want to remind people is like they have no idea who's writing them behind those names, right? And I see it all the time. They have no idea who's behind those pictures of those shiny girls and guys that make their life look so good. That's a moment captured in time of a fake life. And most of those people are miserable and unattractive and, you know, having the worst day ever. And they're pretending like they're having the best day ever. And I, I cannot stand people that spend all their time pretending behind those million followers that they're like living it up. Like who has all the time to spend posting all this shit with their best outfit on and with their, you know, their hot husband and like with their eight kids and their dogs and they're running on a beach. What are they doing? What, how, how do they have all this time? I I don't get that. That to me seems that either. And anyone that goes on social, I mean, I would never in a billion years just say, I haven't, I have a minute here. I'm going to go leave a nasty comment for someone just because like, those are yeah. bitter, miserable people, period. That's, there's totally. no two ways around it. You are a miserable human being if you, out of nowhere, are leaving a nasty comment for someone, period. Right, right. And then the, the people that, like, and I get so many nasty comments on my, on my Instagram. And then I, I also, like, when I see nasty comments on other people's site, I also, sometimes I'm like, how are people allowing that? Like, the comment, like, I'll post a picture of my daughter, and then sometimes I'll see someone be like oh, I hope you get in a car crash so you're not her mother anymore. I'm like, what? Like, how does someone write that? Then how do people actually read that and sort of uh, almost allow that? Because that's enabling, right? I'm like, and then people are like, why don't you turn off your comments? And I'm like, because this is my fucking Instagram. Why would I turn off my comments? Why would someone follow me? Take the time to write that. And then I, I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand how people spend time doing that or... It, it, it's it's the worst. But again, it's these people that are sitting around that have nothing better, that are so miserable in their own lives. And, you know, I, I posted the other day. Again, I don't sit around posting that much because I think it's a waste of your time. Like when people are going to dinner, posting about what they're wearing or posting what they're eating. I, I find a lot of that very mind boggling to me that people have all this time. Because if you're in a moment, be in the fucking moment. Like stop yeah. spending all the time taking photos, you know, or being on your phone. Like I don't allow my kid to be on her phone while she's at dinner. I, if someone's on their phone while they're at dinner with me, like I'll get up and walk away. I, I find that annoying. Um, you know, that's something that I, I learned from losing a lot of people in my life. Like, you know, if you have to be in the moment and like in the time that I'm talking to you, I'm not going to be on my phone in the time that I'm spending with my friends. If I'm on my phone, that is so disrespectful, but I feel like people have gotten so into their phones or so into, you know, talking about other people and what they're doing. And I I, I think that people have really gotten away from like their relationships and what they're doing. It's like nuts. Right. And they're so involved in other people's lives. makes no sense. Like you're having a relationship with a piece of, hardware yeah so I, I really try to to not do any of that because it, it it again this goes back to social media it gets you so wrapped up in something that is not reality and perception the perception versus reality i can't stress it enough is what sends people down a rabbit hole that is so 
messed up because it is so not what is going on. And I promise any of your listeners that literally just everybody's life is, is pretty much the same. Everybody feels worthless just as much as the next person from the CEO of a publicly traded company to the guy buying a bottle of beer next to you at at the bar. Everyone's experienced it and everyone has highs and lows and you cannot feel like you could take advice from anyone who hasn't been at the bottom. People that are having a great day, good for them, but you take advice from people that have been at the bottom because those, those are the people that know how to claw their way out and get to the top again, right? I mean, that's my advice. I agree with that. Did you ever get to your point, like, you know, this other person was a hero, brought down, now a hero again, you are not the hero. Like, did you ever throughout those years get bitter? Like, as you were figuring this all out, was there like a bitterness to it? And I'm not, I am the least judgmental person in the world. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying like, were you, did you take it there? Or now you just said, I got to figure out my own shit or you got bitter? Did I get bitter? Um, bitter wouldn't be the word. No, I'm, I've never been bitter. I've always, listen, my life has um, always been, what is the word I'm looking for? Um, uh, up and down. Ever since I was little, I've always lived in instability. So, you know, like when COVID hit, I think a lot of people's lives were thrown upside down because they live in a sense of stability in a false sense of instability, which is why I think a lot of people liked watching reality TV or like Dateline or stuff like that because they get to see this sense of chaos, right? My life has always been a sense of chaos since I was little. Um, When I, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but when I was 12, my mother, uh, I lived in New York, but my mother um, brought me to a boarding school in California, said I was just touring, And then while I was touring, one of the girls was like, oh, this is going to be your bed. And I was like, no, I'm not staying here. And they're like, yeah, you are. Left me. And my mother left me there. And it was a therapeutic boarding school. And I was there for almost three years. And it was um, called CEDU. And it was basically um, the same boarding school that Paris Hilton went to, but it was the original boarding school. And it was in Running Springs, California. And um, there's a documentary that's been written about it called Surviving Sea-Doo, and it's based on a cyanide cult. And uh, it was really fucked up. And um, we were abused there, um, not sexually, but like emotionally and physically, not like beating you, but um, physically they sent us on wilderness trips. They made us physically run up and down mountains and do crazy things like we were made for example we were made to dig our own grave with a spoon and um lay in it and write our own epitaph and sort of have to read it out loud i mean really crazy that's weird that went on there for two and a half years i was left there okay almost three years um while i was there when i was 15 and a half my father died of a drug overdose and my headmaster told me um so i like didn't have like a normal upbringing by any means. So I kind of grew up like a little bit of a, bit of an orphan because my, I didn't have parents growing up from when I was 12. Basically I was sent to this boarding school. Then when I got out, I, I went to another boarding school and then I went to college. So, um, you know, and then, uh, 
I got engaged when I was 26 and my fiance was then killed in the World Trade Center. So I had another crazy traumatic thing happen, you know, so, and then 10 years later, every 10 years something happens. So 15, my father dies of a cocaine overdose. 26, my fiance dies being killed by terrorists. Then um, when I'm 35, I'm, you know, in the middle of uh, the Tiger Woods saga. So um, whether it's by fate or by something that I caused, um, but not on purpose to be in the press, but, you know, I'm somewhat thrown into these very chaotic things um, that really shook my life in an unstable way. And so I would say that my life has been um, very, un, you know, unstable, so to speak. Um, and I, I have been affected by that my whole life. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, completely. You mentioned the Me Too movement also. Like, do you think if this whole thing happened with Tiger, like right now, today, it ended the same way? Like, do you think that we would, it would just start all over again? Would you still be the same villain or homewrecker or whatever else they decided to call you? Or do you think times have changed and it would play out differently? Um, what do you mean? If I'm sorry, like if... Well, like say that this happened today and right now. I mean, okay, let's... Oh, take the car crash out of it. Let's just say like it was found out today you're where the other woman in Tiger's life right now in 2021. Like, do you think it'd be a whole big thing? You would still be a homewrecker oh, or do you think well, like times yes, have changed? Well, yes, because of, because of who he, yeah, I don't think society has changed at all. Uh, I think we went through that hashtag me too thing. So I think it changed for like a hot second, but I think because of who he is and because he's such a hero, um, I think that that is the reason um, that I was given that label, right? Because you have to create such a monster when you create such a hero. And he, he's beloved by everyone, right? Um, everyone wants to claim him. Um, he's, he, he breaks barriers for a lot of people, as he should. I, you know, I'm not disputing anything um, about him. So he... he possesses a certain magic for a lot of people. So I, I think it's him that is, that's the reason. There are a lot of people that wouldn't be so beloved. But again, I have nothing to do with that. It's just that he broke so much, you know, he's magic for so many people. Um, and I think that's, I think that's the, the reason. Right, so it would be the same. Do you still get like, you know, like if you walk in places, like, is it still, you know, like, do you hear whispers? Like, have people moved? Yeah. I mean, you do. Yes. I mean, listen, it goes both ways. There, um, People don't outwardly uh, say things that are rude. For the most part, people, it works in my favor and people, you know, want to get to know get to know me or it works in my benefit. I'll get a table reservation quicker or, you know, um, it definitely works in my benefit that way. It doesn't work in my benefit when people, um, you know, want to be difficult, say, you know, when I want to, when I wanted to get my daughter into private school, for example, many years ago when she was in kindergarten, women definitely made it harder for me. Um, you know, like that women definitely, uh, make things more difficult when it's an all women situation. Um, really? 
I, I will say that 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 uh, has been a problem in the past. Um, and it has come up outwardly, like people will actually say uh, later, you know, when they become friends with me, oh, I didn't want you to be part of our class because uh, you were Tiger's mistress. <laughs> I mean, it was, it's like literally been said outwardly like that. And, um, you know, I will, I, I remember saying, well, that's ridiculous. That was eight years ago or what, you know, whenever the conversation happened and they were like, oh yeah, I'm sorry for even thinking that. Um, and, and I, and, and I remember the conversation being like, well, you know, that's really ridiculous. That's something you read in the paper from eight years ago. I don't know why that affects my daughter being in school with you. Um, but you know, honestly, that's someone else's feelings, right? That's mm -hmm. someone else's issue that they can't get over about themselves, whether or not they were cheated on, whether or not, um, they're having issues in their own relationship, right? That they feel, um, a sense of threat, um, that I bring up in their own marriage. Right. I mean, again, a lot of the reasons why people hate me have nothing to do with me. It's something I bring up in them. I mean, I think. I think that's why people hate everyone, really, like on social media. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. Like if someone hates you, it's there's some feeling of inadequacy or like, you know, in your case, they probably think their husband's cheating. Like it brings up something in them because if it didn't, they wouldn't have these feelings towards you. That's your life and someone else's life. Right. Like, what do I have to do True. with them? I don't, know their, I don't know their fucking husband. I don't know their life. I don't know their marriage. What the hell does my kid going to school with your kid have anything to do with my relationship from eight years ago? And, yeah. you know, who are you? Who are you to comment about my relationship from eight years ago? I don't comment about your relationship from eight years ago. What? You've never, you know, you didn't have a, a, a kiss with someone eight years ago that I, that I am going to comment about. I mean, it's so dumb. Why would I comment about anything you did eight years ago? You know, that is so stupid. I, I just, I get so, um, you know, angry about like comments people try to make about me, especially people that don't know me. It makes mm -hmm. me like so, you know, enraged, especially when they try to judge me on it and then make a decision about me on it. It like literally, uh, you know, it, it makes me so angry, but I can't, I can't fight everyone, right? Like, um, no, but everyone that's... wants to write. Everyone wants to write an article or make a comment or seem to want to talk intelligently about it, but they have nothing intelligent to say because they're not part of the story. But everyone wants to be part of the story, so that's what's funny to me about it. Does that ever spill over, like, to the school where, like, you know, people are like, "Don't be friends with your daughter," or like when you're going into a restaurant and all these whispers, like, in your daughter's right there. No, no, it doesn't happen anymore. And That's good. no, it, it doesn't. Um, it just happened, you know, when she was, sorry. Um, no, it, it just happened like back when, when uh, she, was she was starting applying. kindergarten and, um, and it doesn't happen anymore. And honestly, I think if it happened um, now, it, it would be so, like, I'm not, I think you could tell by my personality, I would be somebody who, who honestly would say something. <laughs> I would and, think you would storm right into the school and call somebody to sit down and have a little chat. Yeah, or I would demand that that mother. person, I literally would demand that that person's parents got kicked out, honestly, because that is such a level of bullying and such a level of shaming that that, that should be handled in like so swiftly because that is so beyond what's right and wrong. Um, 
and should be handled on such a public level that people should see that it's wrong. Um, that's how big of a deal I would make that. Um, because if my, if that trickles down to my daughter, uh, it would be so offensive to me because something I did 10 years ago was being talked about with her. That is just so inc incredibly off the table and so incredibly wrong. Um, I, I would have a major fucking problem with that. I don't blame you. I don't yeah. blame you. But it, it, no, it hasn't, it hasn't gone there. And I don't think it would because that's not how I handle um, my, you know, that's just, that's just not how I handle myself in, in public. And that's not how I behave. Like, you know, I don't walk around like, you know, that's not who, who I am as a person, right? I'm not walking around like that's who I am. You know, we don't, I don't even go there with people, right? Well, so like, and you said earlier that you learned kind of, you know, how to get this tough exterior and deal with all these people speaking about you because of this situation with Tiger, but you didn't have that with Ryan Seacrest and Steven Dorff. So maybe if this Tiger situation happened first, you might still be dating Ryan Seacrest. Maybe you were able, you would be able to handle all of these comments about your body and the back of your head and all this. You could have been Mrs. Ryan Seacrest at this point. Oh God. Can you imagine? That would be funny. Um, yeah. That wouldn't no, be a no. bad life for you, Rachel. No, wouldn't. <laughs> no. Um, he was a great guy. He reminded me of Larry King, who I always had a crush on. Um, poor Larry. Um, no, he, he, Ryan is a great guy. Um, yeah, no, I don't think that would have worked out, but he's a great guy. <laughs> well, are you blushing now? No, no, stop. <laughs> This is literally my last question about all that past stuff. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this whole car crash that just happened. Do you ever think, you know, cause like it's a car crash, like that's, you know, like a big deal. Like, would you, did you ever contemplate reaching out to Tiger after that? No. Like never just to say, are you okay? No. You're, you're shaking your head now. And you're saying now. Okay, I just thought I would ask. Okay. What, speaking of Ryan Seacrest, like just physically, like what is your type? Um, physically, what's my type? Yeah. Um, so I'm not necessarily into someone's looks. However, I will say physically, I like big. Um, I guess I have a type, which would be an athlete, but, um, I sort of like, you know, I'm not against like a dad bod. I sort of like big, I don't like, um, scrawny, you know, like, so I, I don't, they don't, I don't like, um, cut per se, but I, I like big and tall. Huh? Yeah. You, you and I can go out any night because we have totally different types. Okay, good. Well, then Mr. Seacrest must not have been your type because he ain't so tall. True. You like like a big burly and if they have a dad bod, you're okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. And well, I don't like young. And I don't like young. I like older than me. Like, like a good five years old. So I'm 46. I'm into like, you know, between 47 and 51. 52, maybe. Okay. I could see you not liking young. 
I think yeah. that's you. You like. Well, I was married to. I was married to somebody ten years younger, and I think that life experience is super important. Um, I think that that, you know, I've had a life, a lot of life experience, and I think that age, really, um, obviously, has a lot to do with life experience. But um, it, it really even somebody out um, in terms of maturity. And uh, I need somebody that's older than me because I'm, I've had a lot, a lot of that. And um, so I want somebody that can, that gets it. And um, so. I could see that. Listen, based on everything you just said, you've gone through more than most. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's, so bigger and burly. Okay, let me let let me think of who I have. Do you know for you. anyone? <laughs> I'm trying to think because I mean I know you you travel as much as I do, so I guess they could live anywhere, huh? Although yeah, they could. New York is your home, probably ish. It is, but I feel like you know they would probably live in like Aspen or Dallas or Palm Beach. I just have a feeling. I get it. I have a feeling that whoever I meet won't live in New York either. But who's going to argue with someone that already has a place in New York? You can split your time. Right. And then you don't have to be with them all the time, you know. And then you have somewhere to, to visit. Well, speaking of your type, because I've, I've been in the Regency many a night when I've seen you walk in. One time I was even going to say hi to you, but you blew oh. Well, now that we know each other, we're going to go out for drinks. I mean, granted, I don't think the Regency is ever going to open again. At this right. rate, I mean, but you know, I do the, I do this, even though I live in Chelsea and I live downtown, I do the, you know, Cafe Carlisle, Mark, I do, at one point I almost moved to the Upper East Side, but then I had a coming to Jesus with myself that that was not the right move for me. I'm like, I think I love it because I go home at the end of each night. And if I lived up here, then I would never leave. And then I would just be like, this doesn't work. Right. But let's, you know, there's all this, always this stuff in the press. I mean, I know you've spoken about it before. Like, why are you constantly linked to Mr. Harry Dubin all the time? I know you've made it clear that that's, that's, you can say it again here for everyone that hasn't heard. There's nothing. Well, you know, it's really, I don't know. We're just always, listen, he's like my go-to, like, I he's like my buddy, you know. Um, I like Harry. Um, I I I'm in his. I hang out with him at the Regencies. I mean, I just be honest. Don't just say good things because of me. I mean, I I hang with him when he's around. He's so, really a nice guy, right? Yeah, he's a, yeah. Of course, he's a nice guy. So you don't have to say yes just for me. No, we're for, no, he's one of my closest friends, but I feel like all the women say this about him. He's one of my closest friends. I'm very close with Harry. Cl closer, <coughs> sorry, I just choked saying this. Um, closer than most people. I think everybody would say, oh, I'm very close with Harry and actually has no idea what the fuck they're talking about. Harry is very close with my daughter. Um, he is a big part of my life. I think that most people don't know Harry as well as I know Harry, um, but they want to say what they do. Um, and I will stop there. I know that Harry has uh, a lot of um, flaws that prevent him from being in a long-term relationship. 
these are not flaws that um, that he would consider flaws, but that are flaws in terms of like um, things that prevent him from being in committed relationships. So um, I shouldn't use the word flaw, but you know, flaws in terms of like, you know, he, he's not really ready to settle down. But he asks me once every two weeks to be in a long-term committed relationship with him, but I just know he couldn't do it. So I turn him down every time. <laughs> but uh, listen, Harry Dubin, I know when he says he loves me, I know that he loves me uh, to the best of his ability. I would agree with all that. Yeah. Uh, he just can't go further than that. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, I, I think know. He loves, I think he loves women. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I, I just uh, can only ask for that much, you know. So I keep it on a friendship level with him because I want more out of the person that I'm dating. And so I can't uh, date him, but I can be very good friends with him. What if he just worked all these issues out and was really ready to commit? Well, he says that he is, but I just, you know, and, and he, he may be, but it's just not with, I don't think that I'm the right person because then he would be able to do that. Right. But so I don't, I don't think that I'm, he, he may be, so that we'll see what happens with him. Right. You're his type though. I am his type. Um, I am his type. <laughs> you are. Okay. I just figured, you know, like, I mean, you know, yes. I'm just not the right one. We're not the right ones for each other, but I love Harry. We will always remain friends. Me too. I like him. Well, on that note, what are all these rumors every year they surface about you joining RHONY, the Real Housewives of New York? They come up like every year, every few years. I know. I, I don't know. The first year I can say that I was deaf. They called me and I was on their short list. And that was, that was totally true. Um, I don't even know how that happened, but they, they called me and they did all these interviews with me. And then they picked Leah. Uh, I haven't actually seen the show, but I heard people like Leah, yeah? They like her, yeah, for now. I mean, like, and that's not a knock against her. I'm just saying for now, they like her. So, right, that, that's the season that you were heavily in the mix. It was, like, was yeah, it really... I think I was I think I was like down to the last five. Like between Leah, you or someone else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then, um, and then um, this, and then that was the year before last. And then this past year they picked the two African-American girls. I don't know who they picked. Ebony and Bershawn. Yeah. Has that come, has that series come out yet? I don't know. Okay. It's, it stopped filming. It'll come out. I don't know when, May. Okay, so I, yeah, so I don't know anything about that season. And quite frankly, all that news came out about this season. And I, I don't really know where all that came out from. It, I don't know if uh, the producers put that out to see if people would be interested. I don't know. I didn't put it out. So I don't, I don't know who put it out, but someone put it out and it sort of caught like wildfire and but obviously they picked who they picked for whatever reasons and, you know, whatever. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, people talk about it a lot. I don't, uh, you know. Would you, would you join? Like if they actually said, we want you, here's your contract. Let's work out all the details. It's all worked out. Well, let's be honest. I mean, people, somebody would be dumb to say no, right? I mean, anyone would say yes if they asked them to join, right? I mean, these women that are like, oh, I would never want to be on a show like that. That is so dumb. People, you know, anyone would be honored to be on a show like that, especially someone like me whose life has been spoken about for so long by other people and people like to pretend that they know me. Of course, I'd like the opportunity for people to know the real me, right? So, um, but, uh, and people are always like, oh my God, a show like that is so uh, horrible to be on because they edit you to be a certain way. Comments like that also are so dumb. I've been on a couple uh, reality shows in the past and you can only edit yourself, they can only edit yourself so much if you make yourself be editable, you know what I mean? Like. I am who I am. They cannot, I, trust me, they cannot edit you that much. I've been on an entire series of a show. They didn't edit one thing about me. I was who I was, right? So um, I would be honored to be on a show like that because I'm happy for the world to judge me based on who I am, right? Um, and then people can say that they don't like me. I'm very happy for people to be like, I like her or I don't like her based on me showing people who I am. Do you know? Yeah. You know, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, if they hate you and think you're a bitch based on you, you're, you're okay yeah. with that. Yeah, right. Do you know Leah at all? Nope. Mm -mm. Do you know, like, what do you know? Who do you know on the cast? Like, between, like, Luann, Ramona, I know Sonia? Ram I know Ramona. I actually, oddly enough, I <clears throat> was on the beach this summer with Harry, and he brought Ramona, which was a little bit awkward <laughs> because I was sitting he asked me to come to the beach with my daughter and he had me sit right in between him and Ramona which was very funny um so I know Ramona um I've met were you Luann. were you the third wheel on a Harry and Ramona date no I you know what's funny is I think she thought it was a date but meanwhile Harry had invited me like it was a date <laughs> so funny that doesn't shock me it's so Harry, you know? Yeah. And then Harry didn't have a car, so I ended up driving Ramona somewhere, and I left Harry. It's really funny. And then Ramona and I swapped numbers. It was silly. Anyway, um, I've met uh, Luann. Um, she had on a boyfriend of mine at the time. This was so many years ago, before the show even came out. Um, who else is on the show? I don't even remember now. Sonia. No, I don't know. I don't know. I, I knew, um, Dorinda, oh Dorinda, no, Bethany. Bethany. I knew Bethany or I met her in the past. Yeah. But she's not on it anymore. Who else is on it? That's it. Just those three and Leah and the two new girls. Yeah. So nobody's even on it. So who would even know anybody? Right. Well, at least you admit that you want to be on it. Oh, and I knew no Tinsley. One... I knew Tinsley. Tinsley's a good one to admit. Do you think your whole past and all this, do you think it helps with like maybe one day getting this show or do you think it's like a hindrance? They feel like that would overshadow you on the show. Um, would it overshadow me? I, uh, I don't know. Does anything overshadow anybody on the show? I mean, wasn't Tinsley arrested for stalking somebody 
before she was on the show? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, uh, so like what, I mean, I don't know. Don't they need some interesting blood on that show? I mean, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I think uh, it would bring some interesting press to the show. That's for sure. I, I, no, I think once the show is on, it's all about what, what happens on the show, right? I, no, I don't think my past has anything to do with the show. At least you admit that you would want would join it because lots of people try to play it cool and like I don't know. I'm I I agree with you. I think everyone who's fired who sits in front of me who gives me some story about how they quit and I'm like, sweetie, you were fired. But, but that's okay. so dumb. <laughs> Just admit <laughs> it. So at least you admit that you want to go on the show. Well, it's not that I want it. I mean, it, I'm not saying oh please hire me, but I'm saying if somebody was to offer it to me, anyone that says that they wouldn't say yes is just totally playing hard to get and being so ridiculous about it. That is just so dumb, you know? Um, So I think it's all these women that are just like, you know, trying to act like they're too cool for school. You know what I mean? I mean, that's just ridiculous because, you know, anyone acting in that way is just, you know, pretending that they're, that they're, uh, you know, uh, that they don't, that they're going to say no when they're over here being like, Oh my God, please ask me to be on that show. That's just a ridiculous thing to say. So, um, and who were they to begin with? I don't even know how they got, how they got hired on the show. So someone like me, I already have, I've already been in the press for 20 years. It's not like I'm asking to be on the show. I'm not doing that at all. I'm just clarifying if they were to ask me on the show, it's not like I would, play hard to get. I just want, I would say yes to something like that because that would clarify uh, for people the opportunity to get to know me. That's, that's the difference because for so long it's been in the press about whether or not I would be on the show. You know, that, that's just to clarify that statement, you know. That makes sense. Talk, yeah. talk to me about how you became the first official spokeswoman for a seeking arrangement. How does this, do they call you up? How does this start? Yeah, this so there new was that, job of yours. Yeah, so there was that um, article in the Daily Mail, which was like so low, right? Um, the Daily Mail had put out this article um, that I was on Seeking Arrangement with, um, which is a, a, it's an online website known for sugar babies and sugar daddies. And the comment I had made was, I don't know what everybody is like trying to shame me for and be up in arms for because it's not like a, a, a pretty woman site where I'm paid for sex or something. And they're trying to make it seem like I was, and you know, they wrote this really dirty article about me where a lot of the things were taken out of context and it was a really like shameful article. And I was just like, this article is a bunch of bullshit. And um, my comment I think was, Uh, This is an online dating site that is no different than Bumble or Match. The online dating industry is a billion dollar industry. And I don't know what the fuck you're trying to shame me for without cursing, you know. Um, But all the guys that I met on Seeking Arrangement are the same guys that I saw on Match and Bumble and Tinder. I wasn't on Tinder, but Match and Bumble. And um, I don't know what you're trying to shame me for. So that was my comment. The CEO of Seeking Arrangement, who's a very smart guy, went to MIT, was like, I love this girl's comment. And let me call call her, I guess. And he reached out to me. 
And we talked about rebranding a site because I was like, listen, I'm a user on your site, but you've got a lot of problems because as a user, I saw how people had contacted me and some did contact me like, you know, inappropriately. And some, obviously I saw how people were contacting me based on, um, or I saw how the media was writing this article up. So we decided that we would go into partnership for rebranding their site. And um, he has decided to get rid of the sugar baby and sugar daddy connotation. He's decided to drop arrangement off of um, seeking arrangement. You know, he realizes that arrangement has a bad connotation to it. And um, now it's seeking.com. And we have decided to sort of get rid of the misconceptions of online dating um, and, and try to bring awareness to the fact that um, relationships are a version of um, arrangements and that this website is no different than a Bumble, a Match, a Tinder, um, J-Date, you know, but it's just elite dating. It's people that want to date up and that there should be no shame in it. And 22 million people are on this dating app. It's more uh, people than any other dating app out there, but they, people don't like to talk about it at the dinner table. And we want to bring awareness to it because um, no one should be ashamed for wanting to put out there what they want in a match. Cause that's the only way that you're going to have a successful relationship if you're transparent about it. Well, it's kind of ironic, you know, that there are all these misconceptions about you and all that. And like, I mean, you're kind of, I mean, that had nothing to do with that. Like not your past, like not taught, like you didn't know any of that. It was just literally this comment that you made. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was this comment that I made and then it was kind of a genius partnership because I've had 10 years of misconception about me and he's had this misconception about his website. So it was a really great synergy and a great match because I came on board as somebody who's taking, getting rid of the stigma of his website and the person perfect person to do it as someone who spent the last 10 years dealing with a stigma on me and I'm able to be transparent about that and so I'm able to sort of take the bat swinging at all the the media that wants to come about his website I know how to take the bat at that because I've done it for 10 years yeah, I know. That's why when I saw that, I was like, well, this makes sense. Like, why didn't someone think of this so sooner? It's kind of a genius partnership. Yeah. So I'm good at, you know, anytime the media wants to come at me with some sort of, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about sugar babies? I'm, I don't cower easily. I can, I can really go at it. But also, I, I feel strongly about online dating. I know, you know, tips for successful dating online. I know, you know, I know all about relationships. I know what makes them work and what doesn't. Um, and dating online, I, I really believe in. I think it's the safest place to meet someone right now. I think it's the only place to meet someone right now, especially as we're clawing our way out of the pandemic. And I think that um, it's a great partnership because, <clears throat> excuse me, we're uh, doing a whole series on, you know, how to update your profile um, better, how to... Um, you know, tips for um, really knowing how to meet your match online, what to say and do before you meet somebody um, in public uh, to make sure that the chemistry will match when you do meet them. So, and by the way, in the last eight years, the only way I've met somebody and had a long-term relationship was meeting them online. So really? I don't really know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, 
and by the way, celebrities and non-celebrities, the, the only way I've dated people for the last uh, eight uh, years has, has been people that I met online. Yeah. And it has taken the stigma out of it because that website has had its own set of stigmas over the years. I'm not saying yeah. it should, but you know, and I even like, I looked at some of his videos where he was explaining like the difference between like an arrangement and like what their website is. Like it makes sense. Yeah, and I think some of the way that it's been explained in the past has maybe not been the best choice of words, and some has, but I think the way that we're going to explain it now is probably better. And, um, you know, the stigma that's gone along with sugar babies has, I think, in the past more been associated with the age gap of older men and younger women, not necessarily with the money attached to it, because the money attached, listen, your parents, nobody's blinked an eye when the husband's taking care of the wife, right? Or in long-term relationships when men are paying for things for a girl. But um, now when you're looking at men paying for things for women on a, on a website, people are like all aghast about it. But if you're putting out there the things that mean something to you, like, listen, here's what I want. I want to be dating somebody that doesn't live with their mother uh, and you want to find out about it before your four dates in, like nobody should feel bad about that. Why do I want to go on a date with somebody that, you know, can't pay for my dinner and, and not feel like I'm a gold digger about it? I mean, like wh why should somebody, you know, feel shamed about that? Uh, nobody is. People are going on J-Date because even if they're not Jewish, because they want a guy that is, you know, an accountant or a doctor or a dentist or something, you know, like people are going on Ivy League or whatever that website is, because they want somebody who said that they have gone to college at an Ivy League school, um, and they're not feeling shame about it. This is the same type of website. It gives you optionality of dating elite men or women, um, and there's nothing people should feel uh, shame about it. I just think it's gotten a lot of stigma because of this sugar daddy name, which we're going to get rid of. I like, I like the rebranding. Which of the, like, do you think Ramona or Loanne would be, have success on this website? I think they both would. I think, I think everybody would. I, um, because who doesn't like to date somebody who makes you feel like you know your worth, right? Um, who wants to take care of you or make you feel special or sexy, right? So, um, and you don't have to be straight to go on it. You don't have to be a woman to feel like the man takes care of you either. So, um, you know, anyone could go on it and literally check the boxes that mean something to you to feel uh, like you're finding a, a relationship that is successful. Um, it gives you the menu for you to choose things and, and for you to pick what you want. I agree. And like you said, if you're on J date, you're really there because you only want to date someone Jewish probably. So what's the, we all have our things. Yeah, everyone has their things that they want. And that's the only way that you're going to find a relationship that is successful if you put it out there from the start, if you're transparent from the start. Two final questions, and then we'll wrap up, I promise. What, so with all this said, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions of you? Like throughout all this, I mean, congratulations on the new partnership. I think it's great. I thought it was great when I heard it announced and but what do you think are the biggest misconceptions just now that we're here talking? I just think the biggest misconceptions is that I'm, st I'm stuck in people's minds in what happened 10 years ago. Right. And, um, and I, and I don't want to be. And so I hope that people 
looking forward will know me as Rachel Yucatel, comma, relationship expert, spokesman for seeking arrangement, um, and really um, move forward with thinking about, um, you know, my advice in online dating and relationships and be able to move their thoughts forward with what I have to offer instead of being stuck in the past in something so stupid um, with 10, 10 years ago, you know, um, and, and really forget about a moment or a person that I'm linked with because I've been linked with a lot of other people and I've been linked with a lot of other things that are good and interesting. Um, so I, I, I hope that uh, people can move on from one moment and think about all the other things. Well, out of all these people you've been linked to, tell us someone that you've been linked to that we don't know about. Oh God, I feel like there are so many people that you do know about, but people just, um, you know, uh, forget. I can't even think, I mean, I don't want to out anybody. So, I mean, let, let, let's not even go there. Well, you haven't even talked to me about celebrity rehab. Well, I was getting to that because, oh. well, I was going to say, like, technically, I owe you an apology because here I am. We have different guests on this podcast every day of the week. One of my favorites of all time was Miss Janice Dickinson. So you and I are she just- was your fa- She was one of your favorites. Well, well now you're here. So her, you and I are DMing, we're bonding, we're talking about life. I'm like, Rachel, you got to do the podcast. We have all these great people. Janice Dickinson, you're, you're very politically correct. You're like, oh, Janice, that's so funny. I have no fucking idea. I mean, I remember you were on Celebrity Rehab, but I can't, listen, I drink a lot of vodka, so I don't remember all the details. You, you yes. know, let me just stop you there and say, if you are ever uh, looking for something to watch and you have Amazon Prime, you should watch season four of Celebrity Rehab. It is so good. And it is so interesting. And the cast on there is so good. It was way before its time. It's myself and Janice were roommates. Yeah. It's Lace Garrett, the singer. It's um, Eric Roberts, Julia, you know, the actor, Julia Roberts' brother. It's Jason Waller from Laguna Hills or the Hills. We've had him on the show. He was a great fucking interview. Love him. Oh, amazing. Love. Um, It's... Jason Davis, who is no longer with us. He died of a drug overdose recently in Gloucester. Um, and uh, Jason, uh, sorry, Jeremy London, the actor. Party of five. Party of five. And um, Frankie, oh God, I don't remember her last name, but um, Keisha Cole's mom. Oh. It was such a good season. It was so funny. I mean. It, it was great. You should watch it. I just watched I, it. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch it. I, yeah, well, first of all, Jason Waller was great on the show. And second of all, you and Janice as roommates. Yeah, I don't need to know anything else. And I saw like a little <laughs> clip of you on there when I was preparing for this. But you're like way too nice because here we are DMing, talking about life, bonding over the fact that we were both on Millionaire Matchmaker with Miss Patty. And I'm going off on how much I love Janice. And then two days later when I'm preparing for this, I'm like, oh, Janice and Rachel hated each other. So you're, you're like too nice. For all the people that say, you know, like you're nice because you just let me have my moment. What? So you guys, it's like, no. Well, listen, could I see you guys? Did you ask, did you ask her about me on the show? What you mean? I know because I wish I knew this before. 
four. It, there's, there's, oh, a, okay. there's a second part coming up, but we already recorded it. But no, if, if I had no, I think it, it was on my radar, but then we got so sidetracked with Gigi and Bella and all these models and all this other stuff. And oh God. So I lost track. Um, how was that? Like, were you, I mean, I could see you and Janice absolutely hating each other. That doesn't shock me. No. So oddly enough, I knew her from before the show. She had been one of my clients at Tau or whatever, you know, she used to come into Tau when I was the director of uh, operations there. And so I dealt with all the celebrities that came in and she would come in and I would take care of her or whatever. And so I knew a couple of the people that when I, when I went on the show, you know, she, and I walked on, we, we already knew each other. So we were roommates and the first couple of days we got along or whatever, but she was so aggressively acting, you know, like an actress as opposed to somebody who was like detoxing or whatever, you know, and we just didn't like, that was the issue. I just felt like she was like, playing for the camera and I was really like suffering through whatever I was going through. And I had it out with Dr. Drew because of it. And I was like, I mean, are we here to get help? Or are we here to like be an actress? Cause I'm not an actress and I can't do this. And that's what I, that's what that moment was in the show because I was like, this is bullshit. And you know, I can't, I can't be in like rehab with somebody who's like, an actress because she's preventing everybody from getting real help. <laughs> That's what that scene was that was posted on my Instagram. Cause I was like challenging Dr. Drew. I was like, are you going to put an end to this? Or are you going to like call her out? Or are you going to let her pretend that she's like having a meltdown? So that was what that was about. And you guys like, and then I left, I left because of her. Yeah, that I know. I, I I'm literally going to go watch this. I mean, not right this minute, but within the next like week, Right, you left because of her. Yeah, and then the whole house like came down on her and got mad at her, and it, w- it was awesome. It was actually great TV. But by the way, that show, people are like, "Oh, it's reality TV. Everything is fake." That whole thing was not fake. It was completely real. They didn't edit anything to look um, fake in the slightest. It was, uh, it was everything you saw was was real and not edited. Um, it was every moment of our lives. Like it, it was, uh, we were really close and um, it was three weeks of living exactly how you saw. So, I mean, I, I really got help when I was there. And when I walked in I was like, love addiction, this is bullshit. I'm not here to, and I'm not gonna pretend that I'm like a love addict when Leif is like withdrawing from heroin and like about to die. And then I got, to understand what love addiction was and, and really like identified with it. So it, it was a, a very cool experience for me. I, I loved every, I mean, love is a strong word, but I, I, I got something from being there every minute that I was there. You don't regret walking away because of Janice? Well, I came back. I left for one night and then I came back. Oh. Because <clears throat> they called, all the guys there called me and what, they were like, we can't, we're a team. We can't do this without you. We need you to come back. You're our family. It was so sweet. And I, I, and I, that's my pattern too, to get angry and leave. And when you watch the show, you'll see like Dr. Drew was like, we, you know, Rachel's pattern is that she gets angry and she leaves. And then um, the people that know her know that 
it's the pushing and pulling and she needs her space and then she needs to come back. It, it was, it was like a really good moment for me of like knowing that those were like my guys. And when I came back, they needed me to come back because I like threw the energy of the house off. It was, it was like such an important moment for me to have them have my back too. Janice made up this whole story that like I stole her lip gloss or something stupid. And when I came back, she had to admit that she lied. It was so dumb, but it was so (laughs) Janice is tough, man. She's tough. She's tough. And she is a shit stirrer. And, um, you know, it was, it was, was just a typical Janice. You know? I was literally, so like so I, I could either predict or not predict. Sometimes I'm like, I don't want to speak to this person and they're amazing. Other times, like you and I, I was like, I think this is going to be amazing. It is. With Janice, I was like, this could go one way or another, but she liked me. But I was like, I could see her just being like, who the fuck are you and why am I here? She came because we have a mutual friend in common. I think that helped matters. And she thought I was wonderful and fabulous, but leading up but to But you it, never I was like, know, because you could you say never one know. thing and she yes. will go sideways. I was like, if she absolutely hates me, it wouldn't shock me. Most people love me, but every now and then someone is just, believe it or not, Rachel, not everyone, if someone just is like, I'm not feeling you. And they don't say that, but I'm like, this person hates me. I think you and Janice would be fine if you ran into each other today. Uh, you know, maybe. I've, I've reached out to her a bunch of times and once in a while she'll write me back. I mean, when, when Jason died, I, I, I think we texted back and forth. Um, so... I mean, that was really horrible when he died. I was, we were all, listen, our house was, our group was really, really close. And um, I always tried to be close with Janice because we had a real experience. Again, it wasn't a show, at least it wasn't for me. Um, And it wasn't for a lot of the people. I'm still close with Jason. I'm still close with um, uh, Jeremy. And um, I'm still close with Leif. I'm still close with all of them. I still speak to Eric's wife. Um, you know, we're, we're all so close. So, and Jason's really like, he's such an, you know, like he's done such good work with it. Yeah. He's still in the whole addiction, um, field for sure. And, and I've gotten into the addiction field as well. I, I, um, have been working with, um, the love addiction field for the last uh, couple months as well. So, uh, I've gotten into it too, but Jason has really done some amazing work with it for uh, years now. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm really proud of him for the work that he's done. Well, as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, so I, I owe Rachel an apology for telling her, for going on for 13 back and forth texts about how great Janice was. Oh my God. No, it's fine. Do you, speaking of apologies, do you think Wendy Williams owes you an apology? Um, she doesn't owe me an apology, but I definitely think that Something needs to be said about the stigma that women have. Um, uh, I, I think that she, something needs to be said um, on her show about how hard she came at me and um, that women shouldn't uh, be given the stigma for being the other woman. I mean, yeah, I, I, I think that something needs to be said about it. And um I mean, I don't necessarily know that she owes me a direct apology, but but I think it was so uh, evident to her viewers how hard she went at me that um, I wouldn't be shocked if if she said something 
that she thought about it after the fact and, and thought that it's time that uh, people address the stigma uh, or the elephant in the room, that it's not only um, the woman's fault and that the woman shouldn't be shamed um, only and, and but be called names while, while the men um, just get to walk away and be the heroes. So if she took responsibility like that, uh, I, I think that that would be really huge of her. Um, yeah, I think that would be amazing and it'd be huge of her and it would make a lot of news for her show, to be honest. I agree with all that. And yeah, I mean, when I watched it, just because of what I do, I don't think much shocks me, but I was like, oh, she's coming at you. I don't know. There was one moment where you were just kind of clearly wanting to change the subject and then she like doubled down. I don't remember what it was. And it was just yeah. some question. Well, you know, you're too nice because like, I personally don't think, I mean, do you, I don't think there's ever going to be an interview that you do where someone's not going to want to bring this up. Do you? I'm not saying uh, I agree with that. I'm just saying, I don't think so. I mean, do you? Um, I'm not sure, but it's something that I think I can move. I, I want to move to the future of like bullying or stigmas yeah. as opposed to what happened, right? In other words, my whole approach here today. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, the fact that, you know, she wanted to like, what, exactly what you said, like she wanted to talk about the story still. And I, I mean, I could have been a total bitch about it and been like, yeah, you could Google that shit. <laughs> um, but again, I was having, trying to have respect for the fact that it was a daytime show and, you know, she could go at me and be a total bitch also. And I didn't want to do that. But I think that was the last interview I was going to have where I even got into it. Going forward, I'm just not going to do that anymore. I'm going to be like, why are we still talking about this? And were you part of the hashtag me too movement? And how could you talk to a woman like this anymore? We, you can't talk, you cannot call a woman a homewrecker anymore. Do you know who, do you know who you're talking to? Like, I will never do that again, where I allow someone to even have that conversation anymore, because I don't think people will accept it anymore, especially after the whole Meghan Markle thing and Piers Morgan thing. Like, I don't think it's acceptable anymore to have that conversation. I think that people will side with me, me going forward. I think people would have sided with me if I had said something, but I, I just didn't. That was the last straw, totally. I don't think that's wrong. You should just have your whole team say, you are not allowed to bring up this topic at all. Yeah, people are, I mean, people are lucky that you're not, your whole team doesn't say that because they, they could and then. Yeah, true. I mean, it, it, it is true. And I think even if they said that, I think that I the interviewer on live TV is going to just do what they want to do, which is what she did. Their, their, their team did say she's, she's going to just bring up one or two questions about the HBO doc. So uh, again, they did call and apologize after the fact, but going forward, hopefully the, the conversations will be a lot different. I hope so too. Well, is there anything else you want to cover that I didn't cover here today? I have my own agenda and I bring lots of things up. So now I want you to be able to bring up anything that you would like. Even though you um, won't tell me all these celebrities you dated that none of us know about, that's okay. No, there has to be some private moments for myself. Fine. You can tell <laughs> me. You can tell me over our drinks at wherever we're gonna go. I will do that. I will do that for sure. Harry, Harry can come with us. Okay. At the beginning of quarantine, Harry, Harry would 
check it on me all the time. Oh, that's nice. You yeah, no, like we know it's not like I'm, I mean, we know, like I used to, like one night you walked in, he's like, there's Rachel. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go say hi. He's like, I'm going to introduce you. And he used to talk about you. Why don't you have him on your show? I'm going to see him on Sunday. He was on my show. He was oh. on my show. He was on my show. You know what it is? I think, this is what I honestly think. I think that Harry is such a nice guy that he like, he, I think tried, I mean, it was great. Don't get me wrong. But I think he, he tried, he was shocked. Cause I was like, well, well, tell me about you. He didn't, he was like, cut through all that. Let's just talk about what you want to talk about. Like the housewives and all that. But I was like, that's not how it works. So I, I tried to really do a whole 360 on Harry. And I think because he's such a nice guy, he tried to give me what I need for my show. Like he was almost yeah. like when it was over, he's like, did you get press? But it wasn't, he wasn't wanting to be in the press. He was really just like, did I do a good episode for you? And I'm like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, I mean, that's nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes. Harry is such a good guy like that. And he wants to give you what you want. And unfortunately it's hard to then get to really know Harry because he's trying to give you the right stuff. And we did this in person. He, I mean, the whole day before I was like, this isn't happening. It, we, he came down to my back before COVID when I had a studio, he came to Chelsea, like, Right. Like, can you picture Harry showing up at 10 a.m. with a cup of coffee to do this? No. I'm telling you, like, I, I know Harry. So he would, like, check in at the beginning of COVID and then, like, just, you know, eventually I was like, everything's fine and, like, we'll talk soon. And he just. Oh, my God. Yeah. But no, I mean, I was like, 10 a.m. There Harry was. He's like, why are you so surprised? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I can't picture you, like, coming downtown doing this. There's no, there's no martinis for us here. It's 10 a.m. Like, just, it was. He'll have to do it again. Yeah. One day you guys will come on together. We'll do like a different type totally. of show. Well, when I'm in Palm Beach, every morning at um, 12, 15, we meet in Palm Beach at the beach. I bring my dog. When my daughter's with me, I bring Wyatt. And we go to the beach and we have lunch at um, the Biltmore Club. And um, the one thing about Harry is he knows what I like to eat. And I love that in a guy, somebody that knows me, right? It's my favorite trait in a man when they really know you. So yeah. he orders. So anytime we go to a restaurant, he doesn't even give me a menu. He orders for me. And it's so endearing to me because I don't have any other man in my life that does that except for Harry Dugan. And he loves taking me to restaurants. He never cooks. If you go to his apartment or his homes, he doesn't have any food in the refrigerator. So this is a little tidbit about Harry Dubin. Nothing is in the refrigerator besides wine, vodka, whatever, and like olives. <laughs> but because he goes out every for every meal. But he orders perfectly for me on any menu in any restaurant because he knows what I like to eat. And my daughter, too. And so he'll order lunch for me every day. And he knows exactly what I want in a sandwich. And he never orders off a menu. He makes it up. You know, he, no, she doesn't want this. She wants that, but she wants this in it and add extra of this, add extra of that. She wants the gazpacho, but she wants it with crab, whatever. He makes up all this stuff and it's always perfect. And I love that trait about Harry that he knows what I like to eat. That's the best, the best part about Harry. Dude. I don't and know. You're, you're gushing, Rachel. Oh God. Stop. <laughs> One more thing before we go. Do you know who, who do people tell you that you look like? and act like and this is not it this is to me as a compliment but i don't know you oh. look like a lot of people i don't know who you remind me of she was on this show too you remind me of melissa rivers you never heard that 
No. Mm -mm. Were people going to say someone else? I haven't, I haven't even seen her in years. Oh, I mean, that's where, to me is a compliment. Okay. Um, where is she? I've, I haven't heard of her. She's in time. LA and she is just, I don't know what she's doing, but she has lots of money now from Jones. So she's living <laughs> okay. life. I don't mean that as a slight, like she's, but I don't know. I love Melissa Rivers. Okay. I used where, to love her. Oh, I forgot about her. Wasn't yeah. she on like a fashion show? Yeah, she's still, no, and I don't mean she's not doing it through it. She's a producer, and, like, I think, she, you know, she's working on a lot of things. TV is tough, man, during COVID. Where can everybody find you online? Um, so I am on, um, Inst- so I'm on Instagram. Instagram. And, um, I don't even know what it is. I think it's Rachel, you could tell NYC. I think so. I have it. I'm uh, going to put it in the bio, but I think it's Rachel. You could tell NYC. Okay. And, um, that's what I'm mostly on. I don't do a ton of social media, um, but I'm going to start, I think. Um, and then people should definitely go to seeking.com and, um, where I will start to be doing a lot of, um, you know, stuff about online dating and, um, we'll be going from there. It's a great new job. Congrats. Thank you. Thank yeah. You. And it is Rachel. You could tell NYC, by the way. I'll just look okay. it up. Yep. Keep in touch. We'll do, if you're in New York for a while, we'll figure something out. Perfect. Unless yes. you're leaving I'm, right I'm, away. I'm going to be back here basically permanently traveling a little bit here and there, but, but mostly Me here. Too. I'll come uptown for you. Oh, good. I would love it. We'll go to the mark. D- done and done. Thank you so much for being so open, so honest. See, now I'm going to say you you were one of my favorite guests too. Yay. Tell Harry I said hi or I'll text him, but tell him I said hi. I will. I will tell him. I will call him today. So, and the next time you're on here, I promise I won't ask one question about the past. Good. Okay. So now we can move forward. We are. We're over it. At least I did it in a respectful way. No, of course. That's why I'm here. We got to, we got to talk about the past to move forward. Yeah. I love you dearly. Thank you. I love you too. I appreciate your time. Anytime. Take care. I appreciate your time. We'll talk later. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Bye. Bye, honey. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon. Because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.